Uh, that's the question that I've been asking myself. What is God doing in River Church in September kind of of 2019? Um, and so I just want to share some thoughts, really. So I'm really sorry. I'm going to put out some, some like, a, a disclaimer here. I'm not preaching this morning, okay? All right? I'm not using the Bible this morning. I've, I looked through my text and my notes and realized that I didn't really include the Bible this morning, which is never a good thing um, if you're going to try and preach. Um, but I'm not preaching, really. I'm just sharing with you some thoughts, I suppose, about where I believe uh, the church is at, what I believe God is doing in the church, uh, and how uh, potentially we may move forward together. Um, and so I just wanted to, to put that out. Um, some people might say, oh, this is, this is the, uh, the yearly vision talk, um, which often happens in a church on the first week of September. Um, but I just want to uh, talk to you about vision uh, before I start as, about, as a way of introduction. Um, I, I have been a study, a student of leadership uh, for many years. Right? I've read a lot of books on leadership, and any book on leadership will tell you uh, that you must have a vision right? That's really important. And if you want your church um, to, to grow, you've got to have a big dream uh, and you've got to have a big idea and it's got to be really important. That's what you need. You need a, a vision. Um, uh, however, I, I would say the longer I've been in Christian leadership, the more and more uncomfortable I've become with that idea. Um, and I'm going to tell you why I'm uncomfortable with the idea of having a big vision uh, or a big, big dream. Uh, and and I, I have three, three major problems with this, right? The first is this, is that often the dr- visions or dreams that, that leaders have as church leaders are, are exactly that. They're dreams, right? They're man-made ideas, right, and pictures of what they would love the world to be like, but they aren't necessarily from God, uh, I was having, uh, I was having uh, coffee uh, a few months, well, probably a month or two ago with a church leader, another church leader, who was talking about the church he was previously in. Uh, in the church he was previously in, his, his pastor had had a vision for a thousand-person church. Uh, it was 10 years ago, um, and the church was 150 people 10 years ago, uh, and the church is 150 people 10 years on. Uh, and so this great vision of having a thousand-person church, may, maybe still will happen, who knows. Um, but he, he kind of, uh, he made this comment to me, which I thought was really insightful. He said, the problem with this is you spend all your time uh, thinking about what God hasn't done, uh, rather than thinking about what God has done. Uh, and I thought that was very true. And uh, what I realised is that um, so often, vision statements or vision mission stories or big dreams really are, are translated subtly or very, very, maybe not very subtly as we want to grow. Uh, we want to get bigger. Uh, we want more bottoms on seats. We want more money. We want a bigger building. We want to say that we've got more programs. Right? That's often what vision, church visions are all about. Um, and, uh, and surely that, that that sounds good. It sounds good. Surely God would want to make things bigger and all that. But you know, the longer I've gone on, the more I realise that God doesn't think like we think. Uh, and often these great visions and these great plans and these great ideas are unfortunately very lovely, but they're not necessarily really of the law. They're kind of of that, that kind of desire within, within people. And so that's my first problem is that often it feels like it's more just a big dream than it really is from the Lord. Uh, my second problem with, with big visions, um, I'm not against big visions, by the way, I'm just, just wary of them, right? Um, is the second thing is it puts great pressure on the leader. 
It puts great pressure on a leader if you have a big vision, right? Um, because what happens when this great vision doesn't happen? When the thing that you, uh, this big dream that you had doesn't materialise uh, and you end up realising that you've, you know, been trying and trying and trying to make this thing happen and it just hadn't happened. Um, anyone heard of a guy called Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Anyone heard of him? Yeah, he was a really kind of serious dude, right, that lived uh, in the time of the Nazis and he was a Christian pastor uh, and if he knew anything about what it meant to be a Christian, it was him in those times. And he wrote, do you know what he wrote about men that have great visions? He said, when things do not go his way, that's the leader, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees a community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren, then an accuser of God, and finally the despairing accuser of himself. And what Bonhoeffer was basically saying is, is that if you have a big vision and it doesn't happen, then as a leader, first of all, you can get cross at God. You can say, God, why haven't you done what I thought you said you were going to do? Why hasn't that happened, right? And then what happens as a leader is you can get really cross with the congregation and you start saying, well, the reason that this big vision that I've had hasn't happened is your fault. It's you, Peter. You're the problem. If you were more committed or you were more enthusiastic or you were more into it, or if you loved Jesus as much as I did, then it would have happened. But that's not good, is it? And lastly, you end up, and I know this as a leader, you end up feeling like a failure. Right? As a leader, one of the things that you realise, or anybody that's got any responsibility, is that there's a great pressure uh, to attach the success of what you're doing to your own value as a person. So the bigger something is, the better I must be. Do you understand? Yeah? Did everyone feel that? Just me? No? Okay. You know, the bigger something is, the better it, it must be. And so the problem is, is that if this great vision, this great idea happens, then what you end up, you know, if it doesn't happen, you end up feeling like a failure. And you either blame God, you blame others, or you blame yourself. And that's not what we want, is it? I don't see that in the heart of the Lord, do you? I don't see that. If God's, if God's it says your burden is easy, right? Your yoke, is, your yoke is light and your burden is easy. And I don't think church leadership, like following God together, should be that kind of heavy sense of not matching up to some great idea. So we need to be wary for that reason. The third reason is this, is why I struggle with, with big vision as it is. Is I realise we're, we're a family of faith. We're not an organisation. We are a family of faith, not an organisation. Um, we, we might be a bit of a dysfunctional family at times, Let's be honest, we're pretty dysfunctional. Eh? Like all families are, we might be a little bit dysfunctional, right? But you know what? We love each other, don't we? And we walk together and we care for each other and we argue with each other and we challenge each other and we work as a team and we're missionaries in God's army, right? But we're not an organisation, we're a family of faith that are journeying and walking together. And the problem is with big visions is it often starts to see, turn people into, uh, you know, products, you know, or, or people that need to fulfil this great idea. And so my, when I'm starting to think about what God is doing in the church, I'm not thinking about what God is doing for us as an organisation. I'm asking the question, God, what are you doing with us as a family of faith, moving forward together? Right? And so I'm not looking this morning to share some great big picture of, you know, look, in, in next, you know next year we're going like, to move into, like, I don't know, like a stadium down the road or something like that. Or, you know, uh, you know we're going to... I don't want to do that. What I want to ask is this question, God, what are you doing? What are you doing, God? And how can we move in what you're doing? And so this morning, I want to ask two questions, really. 
And this morning, as we think about where we are as a church, two questions and two simple questions. Number one, who are we as a church? Who has God made us to be? And secondly, what is God doing amongst us? Right? Um, and I, who has God made us to be and what is God doing amongst us? And do you know, I realise it's taken me nearly 18 months of being at the church to be able to confidently answer that question. Right? It's taken me a long time. And people, I remember Terry, Terry's not here this morning, and after about six months of being kind of in, in the role as pastor, uh, he said to me, Tim, what's your vision? What's the vision for your church? And I, I turned around and said, Terry, I don't have one. Um, I'm struggling. I don't have a vision for the church. And I'm not that worried about it, Terry, either. Um, and, and I'm still not. Um, but I want to talk about what God is doing, because I think that's the question. And I realize I travel around lots of different churches. That's part of my job in MLG. I visit churches. Uh, and I realize that there's lots of churches that have a vision statement, right? You go on their church, on their website, and they've got a mission statement or a vision statement, right? Um, and they want to do this, they want to do that, they want to be this, they want to be that, etc., etc. It all sounds very lovely. But I, my honest experience is very few churches understand who God has called them to be, who God has made them to be. You know, when we talk about the church, there is the global church, which is the complete expression of his body, Christ Jesus. But what makes up the global big picture church is local churches. Lots of different local churches. And, you know, as a local church, we cannot be, as much as we might try, I do not believe we can fully express the, the fullness of Jesus, right? It would, we would love to try, but we can't. We can't be everything, right? We are a simple group of people seeking to live a simple life, and we're not that big, and so we're going to have certain emphasis and et cetera, et cetera. But praise God that when you look at the whole church... That God, every different aspect of God is expressed in that way. But the question is for us then, is who has God made us to be? What has God made us to be? How, what's our place? Who has God called us to be? You see, I realise that, that when I'm asking the question, God, what are you doing? I'm starting from the point of, well, who have you made us to be? Because, you know, so often when I listen to people talk about vision and I listen to people talk, what they're really saying is they're talking about all this stuff they want to, they want to do and they want to do. But I don't know if you've ever sat in that, those kind of vision talks. You think, yeah, but that just doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like us. That doesn't sound like, you know, the kind of thing that we would do. And so my heart is, this, is asking this question, is God, who have you made us to be? And what are you doing? And I suppose my heart as a leader is this, right? My, see, my role in, as the, in the role of leadership that the Lord has given me, right, is to recognise what God is doing in the church. That's my job, right? Not to necessarily set some great big vision and picture of what's going to happen, but I believe God is moving through the church and my job is to see that and help guide and support the church in moving into that. Right? Amen? So if you're looking at me and saying, Tim, when's the vision for the next, you know, for the thousand person stadium going to come? It isn't. Not going to happen. Because I don't think, first of all, that's who we are. And I don't, secondly, see what God is doing. So I want to answer these questions then, right? I want to answer these simple two questions. Who are we and what is God doing in the church? And I, I did wonder this morning whether this was a good morning to give this talk. Because uh, obviously it's a sad morning because we're, we're saying goodbye to Aaron and Miriam. All right? I thought, well, maybe this is not the right day to give this kind of talk. But then I, I really realised that it's absolutely the right day to give this talk. Because it, what, what we've just done is an expression, I believe, of who we are. 
What's just happened with Aaron and Miriam is an expression of who we are. Um, I sat in a leadership team meeting. I don't know if John remembers this. It was in John's house. We were eating Kit Kats um, at about nine o'clock at night. And, uh, and I asked this really simple question. Uh, it's the kind of stupid questions that, that people uh, who read leadership books ask. Um, and it was this question. Uh, if we could do one thing, if as a church we could do one thing, and one thing only, and be good at it, what would we do? Now, the answers could have been community work. It could have been, you know, preaching. Uh, it definitely wouldn't be preaching, would it? Um, <coughs> uh, look at you, half of you asleep. Uh, it, wouldn't, it could be worship. Um, it could have been anything. Do you, know what, do you know what they said? Everyone said exactly the same thing. Didn't you remember? No, there we are. <coughs> Good. Uh, we all said, well, you, the guy, I asked him, I said, don't, you know, don't confer. Just tell me what you think. And do you know what the answer was? It was really simple. Developing people. Developing people. If we could do one thing as a church, what we want to do is we want to see people develop and grow into who God has made them to be. That's the thing that excites us. That's what we love. I don't know about you, but who's been enjoying the, the, the kids, the, ten, the, the like little 10-year-olds? Like Nathan and that, right? I, I just love it, right? I love it, right? Because, you know, there they are, right? And they're like, yeah, right? And then they're like, they're praying. And it's brilliant, right? It's brilliant because... What, what's brilliant about it is we, and what excites us about it is not the quality of what they're delivering. It's the fact that they're, that they're going for it. They're becoming already who God has made them to be. That's what excites us about that, doesn't it? Right? And I think, right, when you ask who we are, everything we do as a family is orientated around this idea that what we want to do is not just be nice people, not just love people, but see people develop into radical disciples of Jesus Christ. That is what we're all about, right? When we preach, we talk about basically, you know, you've got to get your life sorted out with God. You've got to learn to pray. You've got to learn to grow. Because why do we say those things? Because we believe that we want to see you be all that God has called you to be. Right? Why is it that we allow different people, like Miriam, I mean, she, she mentioned it um, in her in her little farewell speech, but she said, I've had lots of opportunities. Is that true, Miriam? Right? We love, one of the things we love, we don't care if you're not very good at stuff in this church, right? That's not really a priority for us. Being good at stuff is not really a priority for us. What we love to see is you having a go at stuff, doing it, having a go. Because my view and my belief is really that as you take a risk, as you step out with God, as you do things, God will enlarge you, you will find him in new ways, you will grow. I don't care, right, if we filled the place, right, and we got a room that was three or four times bigger, right, but basically it was all about me and what I could preach and a really gifted worship band. That would not be the kind of church that I would want to be a part of. Sorry, I wouldn't. Even that might be big, because my heart is to see ordinary people stepping up and doing what God has called them to do. And I believe that's who we are as a church. And you know, our great love and desire is to give people the Lord Jesus. Amen? Because we believe that if you get hold of Jesus and you discover how much he loves you, and if you discover how great his grace is for you, and that you don't matter if you mess up, right, or make a, a hash of it, right, it, that we want to tell you that because we believe if you get that, if you really get that, it will change the way that you live and God will use you to do things that you never thought were possible. I'm working on Alan at the moment, right? Alan, aren't I, Alan? Right? Alan came to me foolishly. Foolishly, Alan came to me a few months, a couple of months ago and said, oh, I really, 
believe God's, God's got a lot more for me. Um, I really need to step into it. That was a bad thing to say to me, Ellen, because I've been challenging him, pushing him, and encouraging him in that ever since. And I believe that in this room, God is going to do extraordinary things through ordinary people. Amen? And that's who we are as a church. So anything we do as a church needs to be a reflection of that. You know, I was thinking about the MLG conference that we went to last week. Um, and it's really interesting that you look and you think, okay, who was it that led the threes to sixes group this year? Right? It was Louisa from Eltham, who's amazing, Helen and Zaina. Last year, Karina was leading that group. Right? And uh, she, she was, couldn't go this year. So one of our people stepped up and into it. Right? Who led the sevens to elevens group? Gemma. Uh, it was uh, Gemma with Terry. Uh, and then there was Tano and Angela and Patrick. Again, our people stepping up and serving. Who is it that, was, uh, who's, who's it that leads the youth ministry? Right? Mark and Alice. Right? Uh, and they're leading those things. Who is it that did the young adults work? Alice. Who is it that... It was great to see, wasn't it? Like I stepped down from doing the worship this year and Hannah Abanchik stepped up into doing it. Right? Um, last year, Simon was in charge of the setup. Now it's John that's uh, taken his responsibility in terms of setting up all the marquees. You know, Aaron is responsible for the PA. Uh, you know, Miriam's involved in the worship. You know, when you look at the conference, now maybe that's because it's a small conference, right? Okay. <clears throat> but it's not a River Church conference. And I'm not saying this to be arrogant, but you know, I got really excited because what that represents is it's who we are. What we love to do is we love to see people stepping up, having a go, taking responsibility and being all that God had made them to be. And so it shouldn't surprise us that when we look at the conference, Right? There's lots of people from our church who are stepping up and serving. And I'm sure if you'd asked Zayna a few years ago, uh, and she's not in the room so I can say this, but I'm sure if you'd said to Zayna a few years ago, Zayna, do you want to uh, lead a, 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 you know, a ministry at a conference? She'd have probably said, no, not on your life. Whereas it's normal, because the work of God in this place, as part of who we are, is we love to see people grow into what God has called them to be. And I think that when you... Those, I mean... Aaron mentioned it. I was part of the, the first group that met on a Sunday uh, on the Ramsden, uh, which would have been about 12, 13 years ago. And there were 17 adults. There was no children at that time. 17 adults. And look around us now. But what's interesting about that 17 adults, right, is that God has grown them. Like virtually, I mean, Simon and Karina left last week, and now I think there's two other people that were there at the beginning that are not still here. Uh, a lady called Lindis uh, and a lady called Jason, who both went and served in other churches. But what's really interesting is that all of those people have stayed. Do you not find that really interesting? All those people have stayed for such a long time, right? And I'll tell you, one of the reasons why we've stayed is, first of all, because I think we really do have an amazing family here. But secondly, right... Right? I think that God has grown people as he's gone along. So it's not been like you've stayed in the same place and thought, man, I've just been doing the same thing over and over for year after year. But God keeps growing people and keeps developing them. I hope you're beginning to get a bit afraid because um, this is, a, this is a, a, a prophetic message that really God wants to use you and expand you and grow you into new things. But you see, I think, I think that my father, uh, when he planted the church, laid a foundation. He laid these foundations, didn't he, John? John was there. Yeah, John and Dad were the, the elders at the time. And they laid this foundation, uh, and it was this foundation that we want to see people grow into what God has got for them. John, amen? Amen. But I think that we're moving into a new season where it's no longer time just to kind of lay the foundations, but God is building up the walls. And everything that's happened in the past has been utterly necessary. Utterly necessary. We couldn't be who we are without the last have many years.
But I believe that God is beginning to do something new amongst us, and that's exciting. And what do we see that's happening that's new is this. God is starting to send people out. God is beginning to send people out of the church. It's interesting that within uh, the last two months, uh, we have seen God send out two amazing couples stroke families from the church. So when I start to look and I think, God, look what you're doing. That's already what God is doing, isn't it? And, and when you look, Simon, uh, those of us that know Simon, have known Simon a long, year, a long time. When you met Simon uh, 12 years ago, Simon was not a guy that could have led a church in you, was he? Just wasn't. Right? No, no disrespect to Simon. It's not, you know, he just wasn't. But God has worked in him over that time to the point where God has now released him. Those of us that met Aaron, you know, Aaron has changed so much. He used to have pink hair. Oh, he's back. Whoops, I better be careful. I didn't realize he was back in the room. He used to have pink hair and like Avril Lavigne. <coughs> oh, dear. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember Patrick. Anyone remember Pat when he first arrived at the church? You know, scruffy, disorganized, disordered. Look at him now. He's got a notice sheet which he operates from. Look at that. Look how, look how Patrick's changed. Anyone that heard Patrick preach a few weeks ago will realize that God is using... Ordinary people in amazing ways. This is who we are. I don't know about you, but I love it. Like, that's what thrills me about our church. It's what thrills me about our family is that people don't stay the same. People aren't the same old, same old. People are growing and becoming something more in God. And that's, I believe, who we are. I believe it's what God is doing. Right? We are about sending ordinary people out. And so if you ask me, right, what is, right, what is our vision we don't really like, I don't really like that word. But what is, our, what is God doing in the church is this. I, I, wanna be, I believe that God is already beginning to send out ordinary people into our community across the UK and across the world to share the gospel and build up Christ church. That's what I want us to be about as a church. Not because it's my big idea, right? But because I believe it's, A, it's who we are. It's what God has made us to be. And it's, I believe, when I think we start to look at what God is doing, it's what God is doing already in the church. Amen? Amen? Amen. amen. Good. Well, I'm hoping I'm going to get a bit of amen on that, yeah? Can I just say, as a leader, I love this, right? I selfishly really like this. Because do you know why I love this, right? First of all, I love to see people being who God has made them to be. So it's a great thrill to me, right? Secondly, there's no pressure on me as a leader, right? There's no pressure on me, right? Because as a leader, you can feel real pressure, right, as a church pastor, to, to, um, uh, to like people kind of go to you and they say, oh, how, and, and they do it, right, they do, you go into leaders meetings, David used to be in church leadership, didn't you, and you sit in meetings and people always ask the question, so how big is your church, don't they, <laughs> eh, it's always the first question, isn't it, so yeah, hi, yeah, my name's Tim, how big is your church, who cares, like, does it really matter? Like, since when does it matter what the size of a church is? Since when did Jesus turn around and go, oh, well, the you know, in, in the Revelation, you know, the, 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 I'm, I'm going off script here, but, you know, chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation is Jesus' uh, verdict on seven churches. Not once does he mention size, does he? You know, praise God that you're big. He doesn't say that, 
Oh dear, you're not doing well, you're still small. It just, it's irrelevant, right? And so selfishly as a leader, what I love about this heart, what I believe God is doing here, is, is that I don't, it doesn't matter. Because in a sense, if you keep sending people out, your church is never going to get that big, is it, really? Right? Our church is never going to be massive if, we keep, if people keep going, right? We're never going to get much bigger. But that should be our heart, I mean. Because our heart is, is if you grow people and develop people and bless people and encourage people, they'll eventually get to the point and say, do you know what, I've been... I haven't got anything to do here. I need to go and expand into what God's got for me, doesn't he? Amen. And, and Aaron and Miriam are here. So I'm going to just, I'm going to just stop one moment. I've, we've got one more gift I'd like to give you, right? We actually have got, we, they, not as many of them arrived. Can you two come forward? Right? <clears throat> as you do, right, we're a bit sad, right? We're sad, right? Okay? I've only got one pair of these, sorry. And a few months, we were driving home a couple of was about six, nine months ago, right? And we were driving home in the car, me, Mark, and Pat. I think we were coming home from the Leaders Conference, uh, the MLG Conference in January. And we were like, what could we give, what could we do that really sort of symbolizes this idea of sending? And I think it was Mark came up with the idea of socks, right? So how blessed are the feet of those, or how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news, right? Well, what we want to do is if you leave our church and you're sent, we want to give you a pair of socks, right? Okay, River Church socks, right? And, and it's, it's a symbol to us that we are, that this is about who we are. We want to send you. So there's your socks, right? Okay, there's another pair for you. You, you can sit down there, that's all right. There, there, will, there, will be a, there will be a pair each. But anybody that leaves, we want to be like, do you know what I want to be? Like, I, want to, I want to meet up with Aaron in 10 years' time and he's still like, got my sock, got my socks. Because the heart of our church is to send people, not to keep people, not to just say, come and enjoy nice Bible teaching, right, or hear Pat expound Leviticus for an hour, right, no one wants to listen to that, right, <coughs> yeah, or hear the great worship that's probably slightly out of tune and slightly out of time, right, but it's joyful to the Lord. Um, if you're really interested in making an out of time and joyful noise, see Peter, he's starting a ukulele group um, for those that can't play but want to make a joyful noise, um, and can't sing, yes, okay, so there's, Mark, listen, you're welcome. <laughs> but you know, we're not about those things, are we? What we're about is we're about seeing God send people into the world to build his church. Because that's what, that's, and I don't know about you, but if you're listening to this, what I'm really hoping is that you're not sitting there thinking, oh dear, Tim's come up with some big new idea that doesn't really sound like us at all. My hope is you're sitting there thinking, this is exactly who we are. This is what God, I love, I'm just really excited about this because it's kind of, it's not, we don't even have to start trying to do anything different. We just have to carry on being what we already are. I, you know, I hate it when people give these vision talks and you're left with this sense of like, oh man, we're not good enough. We better change some things around here. Yeah? And, and maybe that's okay sometimes, right? And I'm not saying that that's always wrong. But really, I suppose when I'm asking this question, I'm saying, God, it's not about my big idea. It's about what you're already doing about who you've already made us to be. And, and so I just want to share three simple things um, that are kind of just going to give us a little bit of focus, I suppose, over the next year or so. Areas that we need to, I, I suppose, I'd like us to think and focus on um, uh, as, we, uh, as we kind of work towards this, this heart of wanting to send people. And the first is this, sharing the gospel. I want us to be a church that is committed to sharing the gospel. Now, let me be really clear what I mean by that, right? I don't mean, right, let's run another Alpha course, 
right? Or let's run a Christianity Explore course, or let's run a, a this or that or whatever. Right? I don't know about you. I just want a simple question here. Has Jesus done some amazing things in your life? Sorry, what? Has Jesus done some amazing things in your life? Yes, yeah. yes Esther. There we are. Someone at least was willing to declare it, right? Okay, God's done some amazing things in our life, right? Hasn't he? Right? If he hasn't, then come see me afterwards, right? And we can start talking, right? But also, the more that I... This has been my own personal experience. The more that I love Jesus, the more I want to tell people about him. If that's not your reaction, then I want to tell you that you're maybe not knowing Jesus, right? Because the more that you get to know him, the more that you just think, I just, you know, I want to tell people about this. And the more that I enjoy God, the more that I find that I just want to, sh- you know, when you found, when Mark's found his latest hair product, right, okay, he wants to tell us all about his amazing hair product. Because it's kind of like, look how amazing my hair, look how fluffy my hair becomes, right? Yeah, Pat. <coughs> Pat and Tano. When you find something amazing, you just want to tell people about it, don't you? And so I want to encourage us consistently to ask this question. Do we love Jesus to the point we want to tell our neighbours, our friends, our family? I'm, we are not, I'm just going to put this out. If anyone says to me, Tim, what's the church going to do for evangelism? In this next season, nothing. Why? Because I believe, it's, it, you know, I, I've, been, I've been in church a long time now, right? And I've been through, let's run an alpha course. I've been through Let's Do a Christianity Explore course. I've been a Let's Do the Try Praying course. Uh, I've been the Let's Do this or that or the other. And you know, the problem is, is that, is that so often the, the church thinks it needs to do something. And, and the problem is, is that no one then comes to these events, like non-Christians or maybe a handful. But the reason is, is that because people in the church don't have many non-Christian friends who they've shared the gospel with, Right? That's the simple problem, right? And so we think, you know, somehow, and again, we're not trying to build our church, so it's not about you trying to get people to come into this building, is it? That's not our priority. Our priority is that we would learn, each of us, to have the courage to believe that the gospel is powerful and that Jesus is so good in my life that I want to tell other people about him. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage one another and challenge one another. Are we confident in the gospel? Do we love Jesus? Do we want to share him? I was really excited. Pat kind of made a very bad job of explaining how amazing their barbecue was yesterday, right? Okay, Mark and Alice, it was, wasn't it? It was genuinely an amazing event, right? So what they did was Mark and Alice, right, uh, primarily, and Pat and Gemma, and Gemma, right? Alice, Alice decided to open up her home, right, and her back garden, right? I don't know if how many of you would do this, right? And what they said was, we're going to put on food, and they invited the whole neighbourhood, pretty much, the road around them, yeah, to come to their house for a barbecue, and now it appears that the Lord is definitely blessing the air around Pleasance Road because praise God, this week, John and Ruth, finally, amen. <laughs> Ruth's still not confident. <laughs> but, but they finally got the, the contracts exchanged, which means that it's, it's like 99.9% likely to happen that they will move in on the 12th of September. Amen. 10th of September, even earlier, right? And that is three doors, about four or five doors up from Pat and Gemma. But about five or six doors down the other way, Tano and Angela this week, right, got the news that, they are, that they've exchanged and that they're going to move in on the 5th of September, right? Can I just say, everyone was like, that has happened unbelievably quickly, right? Nobody, like house moves don't go through that quickly, do they, Ruth? <coughs> 
But you know what's amazing is that you've got four, fami four families um, living in, in the space of kind of like less than, like about 500 metres with each other, right? Four, four less, maybe even less than that, right? And they were out there and they were just being friends with people in their community, inviting their neighbours into their home and just being friends. And out of that, as I understand, people start asking questions. Why do you do this? Who are you? And it's simple. We don't have to run a big activity. We don't have to run an alpha course or do something clever. I just want to say to you, if you love Jesus, we want to encourage each other to just find a way to share Jesus really simply with those people around us. So we want to be about sharing the gospel. Secondly, we want to be about strengthening the believers, right? Our, our heart, if our heart and, and who we are is to see people grow up into God, right, and be all God, then we need to invest our time as a church, right, in helping strengthen people that believe. Amen? Right? And that's what we want to, we want to spend our time doing, our efforts in saying, you know, are we, are we growing to be more like Jesus? Do we love him more? Right? Do we, you know, are we living the way that he wants to live? Are, are we, you know, being the kind of people that God has called us to be? That's what we want to focus on as a church. You know, my focus as a leader is more on you lot than people that are out there. Right? Do you know Why? Because my belief is that if, if God is working in your life and that you are full of the Holy Spirit and you're full of the love of the Lord and you love one another and the church is genuinely a, a healthy, happy place, right, you will share the gospel with your neighbours and people will start to come because there'll be something real that's worth coming to. Amen? Because I just believe that. You know, go to the New Testament and find anywhere that Paul talks about an evangelism strategy. He doesn't do it. He spends nearly all his time on encourage one another, love one another, be like Jesus, preach the gospel. It's really simple, not very clever, right? And sometimes I've, I've, I've been there, I've come up with clever visions and clever ideas. Nine times out of ten they don't work, right? Simple. We want to just invest ourselves in sharing the gospel with people ourselves, strengthening one another, right? And that's why we're doing our men's gatherings. It's why we started the women's gatherings. Uh, we want to do more like time one-to-one -one with each other. So if you want to just meet up and, and just talk through the Bible with each other or with me, just let me know or anyone else. We just want to encourage each other to be like Jesus. Amen? Uh, and lastly, we want to be spirit-led. And this is something I really believe God is... is I don't know about you, these are already things that are happening in the church already, but um, I want us to be spirit-led. Now, I believe that uh, the spirit brings alive the, the word. So it's not like we, we move away from the word of God, but we, the spirit brings alive the word to us. And whether we're preaching, whether we're, lead, whether we're in worship, it's children's work, whether it's just being a friend to someone, we need to learn to move with the Holy Spirit. There was this thing that was said at the conference, which I couldn't remember exactly what it, 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 how it went, but it basically went something along the lines, correct me if you were there, right? We go with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't go with us. Is that right? Did I say that right? Or was that just me? I was the only one there. Fine. Um, but we go with the Holy The Holy Spirit is already moving, amen? He's already going to places. He's already got this morning, he wanted to speak, didn't he? The Holy Spirit wants to bring Jesus to us, doesn't he? Right, and so when Pat was speaking or, or Steve was sharing, right, when they were bringing a prophetic message, it's the Holy Spirit that's already moving. All that Pat is doing is Pat is moving with the Holy Spirit. And whether we're preaching, whether we're ministering, whether we're leading, whether we're just being a friend to someone, we want to learn to move with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I just believe that's such a key. You know, it's not just about doing stuff. Um, uh, just doing things and doing things and doing things. It's about saying, Lord Jesus, what are you doing? I want to be doing what you are doing.
And that's why I know that some of you might have you know, found some of the things we've done in the prayer meetings over the last sort of three or four months a bit, a bit strange at times. But my heart is to teach us as a church how to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. Because you know, God will speak through you, Paula. God will speak through you. Yeah. No, we'll talk about that afterwards, Paula. <coughs> right? Yeah? But God wants to speak through you, Tony. God wants to... Amen? Yes, Tony. Yeah? God wants to use you to speak. And I believe God moves through... The, I don't know about you, but we're a family. God moves through each of us. It's not about me bringing the great message. You know, and old Tim, he's the one that's really going to minister in the Spirit. No, I believe if the church comes alive and each of us is moving in the, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, moving with the Holy Spirit... That, that amazing things will happen. And that's what we want to focus on. That's what we want to focus on, our prayer meetings uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, and, and we talk, don't we, about being a river church. And, and Mark and Pat and Simon wrote this before I arrived, and I still think it's unbelievably relevant. It says, we believe God wants the river to flow out of us into new places, to impact the people we know and meet so that they can see the life of Jesus, the, the, the life of Jesus. Amen. And that's what we want to be about. We want to, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an elder in the church, my heart is to see you encouraged to share the gospel just simply as you are, to be strengthened in the Lord, to learn to live by the Spirit, because what I think that will ultimately equal is that God will send you out. I don't want to be sent out. Mm. No one wants to be uncomfortable, do they? No one wants to be uncomfortable. And this is the challenge for us, isn't it? If God wants to send us out, then we often don't want to be sent because we're a bit uncomfortable, right? And I, I suppose I want to um, just share with you one last thing before I finish and we pray. And it's this. Okay, Lord, what are you doing? I believe you're sending people. I believe you're, de well, I believe you're developing people. I, be I can see that. I can see you're growing people. I can see that you're starting to send people out. How as a church can we continue to be invested in sending people out? And this is what we believe as church leaders that Lord is, is prompting us to start thinking about, right? And it's this, that we should think about church planting a church. We should think about planting a church. All right, And I, I want to just say this to you. I want to invite you onto a journey with us. right? And I'm going to explain what I mean by that in a minute. right? But let me tell you why I think God is potentially challenging us to think about planting a church. So first of all, what do we see? We see already lots of people in the church who are growing up in the Lord and are willing and able to take on more spiritual responsibility. Don't we? Do we see that? I see that. But what happens is that there's a limited amount of things that certain people can do. And so you get to a point and think, well, they're, they're going to stop being able to grow, aren't they? I mean, like, I, I, I always enjoy listening to Joel, right, when he Joel preaches, right? And what Joel, I don't know if you've noticed, but Joel is, God has been working in Joel and making him a spiritual man of faith, right? But I want to give Joel more opportunity to do things. But, you know, there's limited space to do things in this context. And so I believe that Joel's just one example of that. And I want to see more opportunities for people to grow into what they've got. I also, you know, anyone that's spent any time, you know how much I love risk-taking, right? Like, I love risk-taking. I'm a great believer that God grows you through risk-taking, faith-filled risk-taking. And so this is a risk. It might all come to nothing, but that's okay. 
Because if we're in it together, and I'll come to this point in a minute, we're in it together, then we'll learn together, we'll fail together, we'll laugh together, we'll cry together, we'll move together. Amen? Um, and I want to see people taking risks. I, I, I believe that one of our great strengths as a church is that we are a family, aren't we? Amen? We're a family, right? Dysfunctional family. Amen, Mark? <coughs> um, we're a dysfunctional family at times. Do you know, I don't know if you've noticed, the church is getting bigger. Have you noticed that? It's just me. The church is getting bigger, isn't it? Right? Do you know the problem with being a family? The bigger you get, the more difficult it becomes to really maintain that sense of family, doesn't it? And the bigger something gets, the less and less opportunity there are for people to do things. So for me, when I'm thinking about what God is doing, I see what God is doing, I, I think, do you know what? Maybe we need to think about whether God is calling us to plant a church. And I also believe that the gospel is best taken out in, by often by small groups of people who focus on a particular space, area or group. You've only got to look at Heathfield uh, as an example to realise that you, you know, God can do specific things in specific places. And so I, I'm inviting you to consider with us prayerfully over uh, the next you know, period of time about whether we should do this, right? So you've probably got a few questions, and I'll ask, and these are like frequently asked questions that I'm expecting you might ask me, um, so I'll see if I can answer them. The first question is this, when are we going to do it? Well, first of all, we're not going to rush. I'm prepared to wait, right? I'm prepared to wait. Um, and I, I suppose I really believe, and I'm going to say this again, we are a family, and as a family, we move as one, amen? We move together. So we're not going to go ahead and do this unless we're in it together, Right? This is not, as I said right at the beginning, this is not Tim's big vision right? that we're going to blazon out and do. Right? We are going to say, we are going to prayerfully consider this together and when we are together in one heart, we will move. And we, and we will possibly not do that for a year, two years, maybe, maybe even longer if that's how long it takes because we believe that God wants, I believe God wants us to move together. So we're not in a rush, number one. Second question you might ask is where would, where would we plant? Well, where are you going to plant a church if you're going to plant one? Um, well, there are several places locally. We could possibly go back uh, to St. Mary Cray, the other side of the road, um, in, the, in the Duke. Yeah, right, the Duke, which is the other side of the road. Um, we could go to Swanley, to Poverish, maybe towards London. But again, this is the journey. We want to pray together, don't we? And hear what God is saying to us as a family. So we don't know. I don't, you know so where are we going to plant? I don't know. Question, question three. Who's going to go? Come on, Tim, you must have had a, a group of people lined up. I've got no idea who's going to go, eh? Shh. <laughs> just been volunt- Steve's just been volunteered. <laughs> who's going to go? I don't know who's going to go. And I'm not going to, do you know what? I am not going to go asking people to, to go. Because I believe if God is speaking, again, it, I have, I'm completely confident in sharing this this morning because I'm putting my trust in Jesus. If Jesus is doing it, God will put it in people's hearts in this room. And people will start to say, do you know what, as we've been praying together, God's been putting a burden on in my heart for this place. And someone else might come along and say, do you know what, I've been putting a burden for that place too. And out of that, God will grow at something. Right? It's not about me coming up and saying, we're going to do this. Right? Tally-ho, everybody. You know, and, and no, we're following the leading of the Lord, aren't we? Amen? So I don't know who's going to be involved. Question four, what about kids' work? Right, that's always a question. Well, what about the kids' work? Well, our initial plan would be that probably we would want to remain close so that we can keep the kids' ministries as one. Yeah, so we would still have a shared youth group or a shared kids' work or whatever. Yeah, okay, um, and we think through that. 
And this is, this is my, last, my last kind of point, right? I know many of you in this room have been in the church for the last 20 years, really, because it was at Giggs Hill before. And let's be honest, for the last 20 years, it's been a struggle, hasn't it? Right? When there were 17 adults, right, and we were having to... Do you remember, Andy? Andy was around at that time. Do you remember? And we'd lug all this stuff in, and we, we, we went to electronic drums because we didn't want to keep hoofing in the drums, right, all around. Do you remember? We were, we'd drive up to the park, car park, and you had, like, a 200-metre walk to get to the building, Right? What's that? <laughs> the drums. Oh, Pete paid. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and we'd lug all the drums around. It was really hard work. It was massive effort. And, like, you know, you were never not on a rotor because you were always doing something, right? And we've just reached the point as a church where, like, it's nice, isn't it? There's lots more people to do things. There's lots more people that are around. You know, and actually, do you know what? I'm really enjoying being here. Some of you haven't even been in the church very long. And you're probably thinking, I'm really enjoying this. And now what Tim's suggesting is that God might be saying we need to sort of do something different and move on to something new. Yes, Samson. (laughs) But this is the challenge of the gospel, guys. This, Jesus never promised that we would be comfortable. Jesus never promised that we would sit comfortably and have a nice little church where we're all kind of very happy in a little huddle, did he? That was not the commission that we were given. God has commissioned us to continue to pursue him, whatever the cost, wherever he leads us. And this is where the rubber hits the road, isn't it? When you think, oh, but I don't really want to do that. Well, that's fine. The Lord will challenge you and speak to you. I'm not going to do it. The Lord will do it. Because if, if you have a heart that says, all right, God, I know I sing Jesus all for Jesus, like it's like it's so easy but when you start to hear that word all right Jesus all for Jesus what you mean I've got to stay here or I've got to go there Mm, I wasn't quite prepared for that but that's what the Lord does isn't it and my heart as an elder in the church is just to shine a light on what I believe God is doing in the church and I believe God is moving us forward and so we're going to start praying together Asking the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And we're not going to make any decisions for ages, probably, but we're just going to allow God to do it. Amen? Let's stand and pray, shall we? Man, I've gone on today, haven't I? I've waffled on. (coughs) (laughs) Thanks, John. (coughs) We'll speak afterwards. Um, So let's let's pray. And I'm going to invite you, uh, as we do that, to ask the Lord, Lord, is this what you're doing? Is what Tim's talking about a load of rubbish? Or do I say amen in my heart? Um, And uh, yeah, let's just pray.